This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from OneTrust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the OneTrust team for their support. This episode of Rockship.fm is brought to you by Clubhouse, the first project management platform for software development that brings everyone together so that teams can focus on what matters, creating products their customers love. With a simple API and robust set of integrations, Clubhouse also seamlessly integrates with the tools that you already use every day. Listeners of Rocketship FM can sign up for two free months of Clubhouse by visiting clubhouse.io forward slash Rocketship FM. This episode is brought to you today by Gusto. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be part of a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and a great service to take care of your team. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. You sign up today, you will get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash rocket chip. Again, gusto.com slash rocket chip.
All right, Mike, we are back with part two of our building a killer product team. Yes, and two parts for something that is really, really important, in my opinion, if you want to have a killer product. Yeah, I mean, we probably could do a whole series on this, but we're trying to pack as much as we can into these two episodes. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, it's not quite a prerequisite. Today, we're going to talk about management and team building, but you can go back and listen to the first episode where we covered networking and, and how to build up that that pipeline of, of really quality candidates. Yes, and I can't wait to get in the management piece, so maybe we should get right in. Let's do it. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. In season four of Rocketship, we are diving into everything product and growth. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. So I also talked with Michael Carjanapicorn, the founder of Skillshare, about how they used a fixed price pay scale as an advantage in hiring. Ah, interesting. It's like, you know, we hired someone for a role here. And I told him, I was like, dude, you're just getting severely underpaid right now. And this is market. And like, this is like a 30, 40% increase from what you're making. Like, like this is just what you're going to get paid here. And he was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> he's like, I didn't know, one, I didn't know that. And two, it's like, you're just giving me a huge increase. And like, that's what you just, that's what you, that's what you should be getting paid right now. So it also helps wow. out in those situations where people are getting underpaid regardless of gender maybe it's experience maybe it's location um but you know it, it, it you know for every person that's getting under overpaid there's probably someone that's getting underpaid as well yeah you got to imagine that's probably a huge um win for for skillshare and that hire right where i mean that that's got to create some loyalty and and some some goodwill moving forward i think for sure and it definitely sets the right tone like when you're really transparent and and, and, and another good leadership principle is like, if you just really care about the people that you work with and the people that work for you in the company, you know, they'll just return that um, tenfold as well. Um, so, you know, there, there have been people that worked at Skillshare for five years um, that, you know, that I still stay in touch with, you know, as a mentor, as advisor for their companies that they're launching today. Um, just because of the relationship that we built, I think it starts with transparency and trust and, um, you know, any, any, any professional or personal relationship that has a solid foundation of trust, it's, it's really easy to build on top of that. I love this. When you're getting hired, it's already a stressful process to go through when you're negotiating. And I've never had this happen, but I can only imagine that candidates would delight to not have to negotiate to get a huge increase from what they're actually making. It's refreshing, right? When co- and, and more companies are moving in this direction. It all points to the culture that's built inside of the organization. And you can see that when you're interviewing. And so we actually talked a lot about this in our two-part diversity series on this new economy. For listeners that haven't checked that out. Um, we talk with a couple companies who are using fixed pay sales to give themselves a hiring advantage. Yeah, it's definitely worth the listen or even a re-listen if you've listened to it before. <laughs> yes. So let's talk a bit about management. Now that you have some fantastic people on your team. To lead or not lead, that is the question. Or maybe just to lead poorly, right? But which I hope none of our listeners actually do or want to do. But, you know, I I wanted to look at this from a couple different perspectives so listeners can find a perspective that they relate to. Yeah, or hopefully pick up some tips from. Yes, exactly. So first off, what components make up the right product team? At Facebook, it's typical to have, you know, a product manager, a product designer, any number of engineers, 
data scientist, um, a content strategist, a researcher. Um, in some areas, we also have uh, growth marketers who um, you know, help reach people uh, out, off Facebook, but also help us with um, messaging and promoting features and reaching, reaching people on Facebook. So there's a lot of different uh, points of view on a Facebook product team. And uh, we really look to product managers to help organize uh, those points of view and make sure that everyone has a voice and that we're um, all working on the most important things. And we can't expect every team to have all of these disciplines on it, though. No, no, not specialists in each of these. But I mean, the various skills that you need in in some capacity are here, right? It's just for smaller companies, uh, people have to wear multiple hats. And and that's where hiring gets really tricky. Um, but, you know, as you grow, you can get more specialized with each of these. Yeah. And I guess knowing your weaknesses, that also helps you here when you're hiring the right people. Absolutely. Right. So J2 Patel of Box, um, he had a great perspective on this as well. Small teams, but don't try to have the size of teams grow to be too large because then most of the time is spent in coordination rather than actually getting work done. So one of the, you know, like we really take to heart what Jeff Bezos at Amazon talks about, which is this two pizza team concept where you should have a team no more than can be fed with two pizzas. And we, uh, we do that over here where we tend to have this kind of notion of a pod um, where you know there's the, the teams are no no larger than eight to ten people, and they've got a multitude of different roles from product management to you know we have this concept called P pod where you have um, each each letter in that word stands for a particular role so P for product management E for engineering A for analytics. Um, um, and then P for program management, which is different from product management. Because typically you find that people that are good at creative thinking aren't the ones that are good at keeping the trains running on time. And so we find, you know, there might be like four humans that know how to do that, but for the rest of humanity, you need to make sure you split those roles out. And then we have uh, O for online growth and then D for design. And we tend to have some kind of combination uh, with varying numbers, depending on the kind of project there is of this kind of peapod concept. But um, our teams tend to be small, and then what we do is we, we try to focus on having local missions for those teams. So you as a big company can have many priorities. Uh, in fact, it's impossible when you get to our size and scale to have like one or two priorities. But what, what's extremely important is that every team has a local mission with you know one key metric um, and one key priority, or maximum one or two. But the moment you go beyond that, it's very hard for teams to execute effectively. So. Um, you know, um, so one is have small teams, two is make sure that the composition on the teams is the right kind of people. Three is, you know, we are massively obsessed on making sure that the team is focusing most of the time up front on picking the right problem to solve. Oh, that's awesome. I love the idea of having small focused teams, even as a company grows. Yeah, it's great for smaller companies to keep in mind too, right? So like Box, they have a lot of small teams inside, but when you are only one small team, going too wide can can really kill your productivity. Yeah, but it's so easy to do. I mean, I've lost a lot of time in the past by chasing shiny feature ideas, right? I think 
a lot of us have. I don't know one person who's ever built a product that hasn't, but you know, that it's, it's a skill to learn is that discipline that, you know, as, as the leader, you got to keep your team focused, right. And keep them moving towards that North star. Okay. So let's talk about that role of the product leader. Um, I think there, there are two parts of um, what people get wrong about product management. So the first thing is um, the folks who come in and they want to be the next Steve Jobs. Um, it's like, and they come in, they have this like bold, bold vision, and then everyone just does what they they tell them, they're being told to do. Um, that's just like not how that works in almost any company. Um, it only works if you're like actually Steve Jobs. Um, and me, there's a couple other folks who are founders of really visionary type companies. But if you are a PM, um, basically anywhere else, that's incredibly untrue. Yeah. Um, I think the phrase that best sums up product management is this phrase like influence without authority. So no one reports to you. No one has to do anything you want them to do. Um, you have to con convince them to do it. Um, and sometimes it's a big bold, like, you know, like you're like, this is what we're going to do. And like, you're going to follow me. Um, but a lot of other times it's like listening and having a lot of empathy and it's taking their inputs and incorporating it into the product is actually one, they're like valid inputs. Yeah. Um, but two, it, it gets everyone bought in to the thing you ultimately build. Um, so I think when people come in and they just like have a, an idea, but you ask them like, how do you work well, well with others? Yeah. Um, and they're just like, what are you talking about? You're like, mm, okay, that's not really what the job is, right? Austin Bales also had an interesting perspective on this, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I look for people who are going to be uh, great at building teams, who are going to um, be excellent partners to designers and data scientists and engineers and excite the people they're working with, um, as well as people who are you know, really great operators, meaning that they can uh, figure out how to manage a project, um, put together meetings and notes and decks and communicate, you know, the right way to the people on their team and their managers and stakeholders and um, I think operations is a uh, operations or project management is a tremendously important part of what a product manager uh, does in addition to like the product work and the vision and figuring out what we're going to do. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you today by Gusto. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially for small businesses. You don't have the time to be an expert on things like taxes and regulations. And there are old school payroll providers that exist, but they're just not built for the modern business. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. Now, again, there is some competition for Gusto out there, but Gusto actually has a lot of things going for them. PC Mag and Fit Small Business, they've called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto makes payroll a breeze. In fact, 9 out of 10 users say Gusto is easier to use than other payroll solutions. And Gusto definitely saves you time. 72% of customers, they actually spend less than five minutes to run payroll. I know a lot of people that spend way more. Gusto is reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching. And if you don't believe it, just Google it. People love Gusto. And how often do you actually love your payroll provider? Almost never. Most small businesses, they don't have an HR expert, but you don't need one to use Gusto. With great software and great service, you can focus on your business, not on your payroll or your paperwork. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com forward slash rocket ship. That's gusto.com 
forward slash rocket ship. This episode of Rocketship FM is brought to you by Clubhouse, the first project management platform for software development that brings everyone together so that teams can focus on what matters, creating products their customers love. And speaking of building products that customers love, we've hired a professional voice actress to read off some of the fantastic testimonials that we've gathered about Clubhouse, like this one from Clinton Gromley, the Elastic Stack team lead. Clubhouse is fine-grained enough that each sub-team can track the tasks they're working on, but allows us to zoom out to the team, product, or stack level. Or this one from John Kudmal, the CTO and co-founder of LaunchDarkly. Clubhouse provides the ability to work on a task list at the smallest level where I can check things off all the way up to tracking my entire company's engineering velocity at the milestone level. Or this one from Molly Wolfberg, the product manager at Wistia. Clubhouse provides enough data and a way to view that data, which means it's easy to slice and dice the numbers and makes the team more productive. Listeners of Rocketship.fm can sign up for two free months of Clubhouse by visiting clubhouse.io forward slash Rocketship.fm. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Now, back to the show. So I was talking with Allison Go of Facebook about how she communicates between these different disciplines. It's one of the hardest things as a product manager, having to speak multiple languages and really have empathy for different disciplines. All while trying to figure out, how do I get them all to collaborate? So I think a lot of this, uh, the, the, the differences in opinion often come from differences in the baseline of knowledge. Okay. Right? So um, I, as a product manager, have a view of one set of things, maybe everything, that's maybe the core job of a product manager, um, whereas any other function may have a portion of it. Um, and so their opinion is very much informed by the portion that they have. Um, and so I, you know, if you do the, the, the thought exercise of assume the best intentions, like often it's because there's like a, a gap in knowledge, not because that person doesn't know what they're doing, but because like they inherently don't have the visibility in this other side of the business or the other side of yeah. the workflow. So I think that's why that's my assumption usually. Right. Um, and then I try to dig into that and, and, and kind of figure out where that gap is. Like, where do you, why do you think this is important? Um, what's driving that, that, um, that opinion? Yeah. And then if you can find that, that, that gap, you can then talk about the gap and not about the solution that is being asked for or like, proffered, right? Yeah. Um, so it's, once again, it's like coming back to the digging in. Um, and then once you get there and you say, well, now that you know this new piece of information that I had, um, do you still think the same thing? Now, sometimes a person might. And so uh, I don't know if I have a solution for that. But usually, like, you come to a point where, like, we just have a different point of view of, like, what we're optimizing for okay. at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, like, such a key question. Um, what are you optimizing for? And if you can apply that to almost every situation where it seems like you're off with a person, it's yeah. usually because you have a different optimization or you have a different set of information. Yeah, and, and that was assuming the best intention. Always, yeah. And, yeah, I and like it, that a lot. I think like that's a phrase that's used a lot, and it sounds very kumbaya and like very like oh like let's all get along. But yeah. it, to me, it's actually like a completely mechanical thing that's like super useful, okay. in which you 
Um, if, you, if you assume the best intentions, it means something else is why you're in conflict. And sometimes it's still, it's, sometimes it's a different goal, but it's, sometimes it's bad communication skills and that's like also painful, but it doesn't mean that this person is out to get you or like right. is sabotaging you or just is like a terrible person. It just means like you either have different goals or you have different communication styles. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's you who has the bad <laughs> communication style. It's like totally possible, right? So um, like you should, and, and, and so when you use um, the phrase, assume the best intentions, it means it gives you a guidebook of like, what do you, how do you work through what seems like a conflict? Yeah. Um, it's so rare. Like it doesn't have to be, I think most conflicts can be either avoided or like approached in a non-personal way. But, yeah. And you still might not agree because like your goals are just in conflict and that's, that's okay. This sounds like a lot of trust building to do. I mean, these conflicts, they're often caused by either a lack of trust, a lack of respect, or lack of communication. Yes, none of this is easy to to navigate, right? And there aren't any management hacks that give you an instant repeatable process that you can do over and over again. Right. I mean, every person and every team is different. And the trick is really being adaptable. And so I talked with Austin Bales a bit about this um, and how he approaches it. Well, I think like the general advice is to start with getting to know people um, and getting to understand um, their strengths and the, the work that they like to do, um, understanding the things that they, they like to avoid, um, understanding the way that things worked in the past and withholding your judgment or evaluation um, of those of all of those things. Um and so that's kind of like how you can connect at a, at a personal level. But I actually think that to build like a trusting relationship, um, it maybe takes working through something complicated or um, encountering some sort of friction or adversity together, right? Like a shared experience. If everything's just going going well all the time, what is the substance for you? Know, what, what substance are you going to discuss? You can talk about how someone might want to grow um, and be proactive um, in working with them on that or finding new opportunities for someone. Um, one thing that I did was, one thing I do, what I do for the growth team is, um, is help with recruiting designers and design managers. So that's kind of a value that I can add early on to that team. Um, I also have been at Facebook for a while and I've worked with a lot of different product teams like Newsfeed, Messenger. Um, so another thing I tried to provide was connections to some of those people I know. know. I can use my time to talk, talk with them um, and understand perspectives from other teams. So, so those are some of the things that I emphasized earlier on um, where I could just kind of provide additional value without thinking about um, changing or challenging or doing something different. It just takes time. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. We're always trying to get everything done instantly, but this is just one of those things that takes time to foster that trust. Yeah. Do you remember there was a quote from Ty Ahmad Taylor, the one about pushing credit down? Yeah. 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 I love that one. Um, one second, let me pull it up. And uh, there's a Christian saying, which is uh, to hide your light under a bushel. So that tends to be my own personal operating mode. Um, in terms of what I do for the folks that are on my team, I like to push it down to the lowest levels. What I found through my career is that um, you get more secure in the work that you're doing. And I, I appreciate should always protect the most vulnerable, in, in my view, in, in any space in life. And, it, and the lowest working members typically get the hardest work because they have less mooring to be able to attach it, right? And they have less 
uh, fewer frameworks and heuristics of their own to be able to, to get to, to the North Star. So they need help, but they also need support, but they also need to receive the credit when it's there. And so my goal is to push it to the lowest levels. And if, and if one is secure, then if it jumps the level and goes below you or you don't get credit for it, you're actually good with that because you understand that what you're doing uh, has value in and of itself and that the person who's pushing it to the lowest level understands and appreciates what you're doing. So it's the same thing with like when you're doing presentations, I try and have either the most junior member who's the most polished speaker or a more senior member who's the most polished speak, but it doesn't need to be me because I don't, I don't have the ownership of the idea. Yeah. And finally, firing. Yeah, I, I, I hate firing. And, and I, I didn't bring it up in any of our conversations. Uh, but I can say there's a lot to the old adage of hiring slow and firing fast. And when you have to fire, you got to just get right to it, right? And, and say what you have to say and let the other person talk. It, it's, it's not easy. No, it's not easy. And honestly, it's something that I feel like I've never really been good at. Um, I mean, because, hey, look, unless the person was just blatantly stealing from the company or something like that, you know, oftentimes you're letting go somebody that, you know, maybe you like personally, but it just wasn't the right person for the company. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we never want to burn bridges in that conversation. And we, we always want them to know that it was circumstantial, right? That it wasn't about them personally. It was just about their performance at this time. Maybe this wasn't the right position for them. And how do we get them into the right one? Do you have an example of a firing that maybe didn't go so horribly wrong? Yeah, yeah. So um, we had to let a guy go from my sales team. Um, a couple of years ago, and he really just, you know, he he wasn't performing, right? He he couldn't, he wasn't quite picking it up fast enough, and so we gave him three quarters to to try to figure it out. And you know, the one thing that we actually did right was we had set KPIs, so he knew the benchmarks that he had to hit, and when he wasn't hitting them, it wasn't me saying, you know, I just don't like you, right? When when it came time to let him go, it was, you know, we've got all of this data. And you're just not reaching your mark. And we've really tried everything that we could do to get you there. Um, but maybe this just isn't the position for you. Now, wasn't the position for him. Was there another position for him? Was there an opportunity to maybe move him to a different part of the company or anything like that? Yeah. So, I mean, with a big organization, that that would have been possible, right? Um, but when we're small, we were like 18 people. We really didn't have those tracks. And we had, we had already finagled this position as much as we can to try to find where we could get him to, to fit in. Um, so unfortunately, we, we had to let him go because we didn't have a place to move him. And, and that's just the unfortunate reality of being a small team. You really need everyone to be working at 100%. So how do you take it? Well, in the moment, not great. Uh, but we, we talked about what he should focus on next and, and where he would be a good fit, right? What were his strengths that he brought in uh, that he could apply somewhere else? And once he kind of calmed down, uh, we focused on what his next move should be. And once we moved the conversation in, in that direction, it, it kind of set him off on a path where he didn't feel as defeated, uh, but he felt like, all right, well, now I, at least I have a direction and a mission. I've gotten some good feedback. And a couple months went by and we ended up getting a coffee. And, and from time to time, I even mentor him a bit now. So no hard feelings. Well, you know, at least if there are, we can get past them. And that's probably the best situation um, when you're looking at kind of letting someone go. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's probably not going to end up like that every single time where, you know, you can end up in a mentoring type situation. But, 
hey, we can try, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, you know, we're all just people at the end of the day. So we should try our best to, to get along, even when we have to sever ties. If you want to find out more about Rocketship.fm, go to Rocketship.fm. It's pretty simple, right? Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, so you don't miss future episodes in this series. And if you like today's episode, tell a friend. Or two friends, or a lot of friends. We would love it if you would spread the word. We, You could sign up for our newsletter. We have partnered with Product Collective, Mike Belsito's company, to bring you even more content each week. So if you sign up for the newsletter, you're going to get content from Rocketship FM. You're also going to get detailed product content from Product Collective, which is incredibly valuable. And as entrepreneurs, it's one of the most important topics for us to stay up on. So go to rocketship.fm and sign up for our newsletter. If you enjoy this content, leave us a quick review um, or tell a friend or share the link on Twitter. Anything helps to get the word out about the show. We really appreciate it. We'll be right back here in just a couple of days.